Good morning. I'm Gary McIntyre. It's my privilege to serve as your online host this morning. Though you are not able to worship with us in person, we are excited that you've chosen to worship with us alongside many others from across the country. I will be available to answer any questions that you might have about DBC. I can also assist or direct you regarding any pastoral matters that might be of concern to you. I'm monitoring email at onlinepastor at dbc.org and am available at the same address if you need prayer or you just desire to make a personal connection. We're here for you. For those of you watching on our website or app, you can engage me directly by clicking on the prayer request button or by clicking on my name and starting a private chat. Thanks again for worshiping with us online today. Now, settle in, prepare your hearts for worship. Our service will begin in a moment. You know what they say, laughter is the best medicine. At our Mystery Dinner Theater, Wrangle at Red Mountain Ranch, you'll laugh till your belly aches watching a one-of-a-kind show. You'll find fabulous grub and a chance to hang out with new friends. Plus, a spectacular prize could be yours if you're clever enough to figure out which scallywag tries to take out a rowdy scoundrel because he's meaner than a two-headed snake. Believe me, our crew's been working hard as horses in a hayfield to create a spectacular event. No doubt you'll want to support them. So don't pill around. Make reservations for February 15th or 16th. Then get away from those screens, don some Western gear, and have fun with peals of laughter. Okay, but you know you can only have one apple a day. High in the mountains above a city near you, Earth's noblest heroes have begun to assemble in the Fortress of Virtue. Known for extravagant displays of the highest virtues, they face a common enemy. Uniting together is their only defense to withstand the enemy's tricks that cannot be withstood alone. These heroes serve on the front lines every day, evidence of virtues available to every follower of Christ. On this day, a day like no other, they assemble together, the Agape League. Well, good morning, DBC. How's everybody this morning? Man, it is good to see you. And listen, I know we got people working their way in from the lobby, so y'all can come on in, make your way in, because we're going to have some worship here in just a moment. But I just want to say welcome to everybody this morning. It is good to see you this morning. This is the first Sunday of Black History Month, by the way, and we want to recognize that. We've got some songs that we're doing um, that will be throughout this, this uh, series and also our choir singing that really just infuses that rich heritage that is part of our worship every single week. And so we want to acknowledge that and acknowledge those of you 
um, who are part of our congregation that are people of color. It's a blessing that God is bringing together all people together here at DBC. And I just want to say welcome. If you're watching online, welcome to you this morning. If you're here in the room, if you're here maybe for the first time, we're so glad to meet you. And uh, we've got a few more announcements that we're going to show for you, and then we're going to kick off some worship. So take a look at the screen for a couple more announcements. Friends of DBC, I want you to get a powerful taste of what it's like to live inspired by your God-given purpose. Disciple Story is a six-session course that helps you connect your story with God's. During our time together, we will examine your life, story, passion, abilities, calling, and next steps. From a new believer to a longtime follower of Jesus, I believe you will discover greater joy and effectiveness when you understand and know your unique calling. Disciple Story exists to equip every follower to accomplish the mission of Jesus where we live, work, and play. Not only come to church, but to be the church. We are also helping you to know what God uniquely created you to do and how that is essential to your training. That's how salvation multiplies to people who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. Disciple Story is only the beginning of what I call a God-centered life design. Register under the events section of the Church Center app, find me or contact me. I look forward to being with you, but be careful. You might change how you see and do everything as you go deeper into discerning, naming, and living your unique calling. Join me for Disciple Story. God only has one begotten son. All the rest of his children are adopted. If he's calling you to adopt, the DBC Foundation can help. Through the DBC Adoption Initiative, we can offer matching grants to families that are looking to adopt to help remove the financial barrier to adoption. Even if you're not called to adopt, we could really use your help supporting adopted families with meals, chores, and other forms of encouragement. We could also use additional volunteers on the committee. If you're interested in a matching grant or interested in serving, Go to dbc.org slash adoption for more information. Join us for our next Explore class. I am excited to meet all of you who want to learn more about our church and ask questions about possible membership or baptism. Lunch will be served and childcare is available with a reservation. If you plan to join us, make sure to RSVP at dbc.org slash explore. As I said before, we're going to be doing some singing together, some worshiping together. And we're starting off this morning with a new song that's one that when all of us heard it, we were like, haven't we done this before? Isn't this something that we've sung before? Because it just feels like a song that we already do. You're going to know this. You're going to love it. If you've heard it on the radio, you're going to sing with us. Even if you haven't, I promise you, this is going to make you want to praise our God. And that's the whole point. We want to praise Him 
anywhere. So come on, y'all. Let's lift up our hands and let's worship our God together.
sing it out. Till I'm there. Hey, hey. I was breathing but not alive. My Jesus. Oh, all my failures I tried to hide. He was my Jesus. Till I'm
sing it out. I keep praying, you keep moving. I keep praising, you keep proving. I have all that I need. You Just praise Him for that. We're going to continue with that theme that we put our trust in Him right now. Come on. He is a faithful Savior, a faithful God. So we put our trust in Him because we know He does not fail us. Come on, sing together. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. He's been my fourth man in the fire, time after time. I'm born of spirit, I'm born of this spirit. I'm washed in his blood. And what he did for me on Calvary's born. So I trust in God, my Savior, who will never fail. He will never fail. Oh, I trust in God, my Savior.
Think about the things that he's carried you through right now. Just think about that and think about how you look to him and do that right now. You sought the Lord. Whatever it is right now, we seek him. He will be found by us. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. Thank you, Lord. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. because it does not feel like it at this season right now. You might be in that season where you're saying, I'm, I'm seeking the Lord, but right now it's hard to see him. And so I wanna challenge you right now. We're gonna sing this chorus one more time. And if you're going through it right now, it might even be you need to just sit here and let it be sung over you by the congregation. You might not be in a place where you can say, I'm, I'm seeking him really. I've got things 
that I kind of trust in. I've, I've kind of got things set up in my life in such a way that I, I kind of got my system. And maybe you just need to let the people of God just sing over you right now. And, uh, and just let God just, just do healing in your life. Maybe there's just there's, there's a, a hurt that's there that's just been there for a long time. And so we're just going to sing this one more time and just sing, I trust in God my Savior because he will never fail. Just sing this with him now. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. Oh, I trust in God, my Savior. about anything but in every situation Lord with thanksgiving and petition make our request be made known to you God thank you Jesus for being so faithful so good someone we can put our full trust in someone who we can lay our lives down to because you laid your life down first God Jesus we just praise you for your precious sacrifice we just praise you for the blood that was shed for each and every person that is standing in this room and for every other person who's not in this room God we just thank you for that sacrifice so we give you our honest offering. We worship from a place of gentleness and humbleness and we bow before the King. And we say we trust you, God. We give you everything, Jesus. As the body of Christ, let's just praise him. Let's just say thank you, Jesus, because he is worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. some uh, stuff that we need to pray about, and I just want uh, to bring a couple of things up and then uh, lead us in a word of prayer. Uh, right after this service, we have our Explore uh, class or gathering, and if you're not sure about what that is, Explore is just a way for you to kick the tires of the church, to say, uh, I don't know if I want to be involved in this faith community. I have some questions I want to answer. 
uh, have answered, then that's the time that we do that. And we'll go from here just down the hall. Uh, you can ask uh, anybody at the Connection Corner out there where to go, and we'll uh, uh, look forward to seeing you. If you just want to ask some questions about what it's like to be a part of this faith community, if you are watching us online, I just want to welcome you. Uh, we have uh, a digital pastor who's watching over you, Gary uh, McIntyre, and we have people from all over the place uh, uh, I have heard that we even have Tifton, Georgia watching us this morning. So just saying that, if you're from Tifton, shout out. Uh, the church there uh, that I've preached in before is uh, First Baptist Church, and it's on Love Street. So literally, it's the church built on love. And uh, so shout out to my friends down there. And uh, also, we're praying because we have a couple of funerals coming up this week, including uh, Deanne's uh, father passed away, and his service will be on Friday. So, uh, just want you guys to gather around us in prayer. We're also sending out our Liberia team uh, on Saturday. If you're in the Liberia team, would you just stand up? Uh, let us uh, pray over you if you're going to be part of the effort that's going down there. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, in a moment, I uh, want you to join me in prayer over them. Also, I have a request. If you have a strong back and a weak mind, we need you in the lobby immediately after the service because Bridget has told me she has 165 people coming to dinner and a movie tonight. And so we want to make sure that we get all the setup done. So if you are able to stick around in the lobby, meet her out there, and uh, she will certainly tell you uh, how you can help just for a few minutes after the service. Would you join me in prayer? Oh, God, speak over us. Whether we're watching online, whether we are uh, in the room, whether we are coming, as Robert said, from a place of hurt or need, whether we're coming from a place where we're just overflowing with a sense of abundance of your spirit. For those who are in grief, would you sing over them even today? For those who are getting ready to, uh, uh, to take your message uh, to uh, a place far, far away, and, and God, just through the, uh, the, the kindness of, of investing in a, a community uh, to provide food, let them hear Jesus loudly. God, as we uh, study a few verses this morning, just uh, speak into us that we may understand that we can make much of others because you make much of us. So thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are still in Philippians chapter 2. We've been there uh, all month and our so our series has been called The Giving Life. And uh, what I just prayed is kind of the, the guts of the series, so to speak, is that we make much of Him, uh, make much of others because He made much of us, that we have studied the giving that He has given to us. Paul has been very, very clear about that. He said, I, I consider everything else just garbage and say in, uh, in view of the surpassing greatness of Christ Jesus. So, so Paul is acutely aware of what God has given us, grace by faith in Christ. 
And then he says, but you can also give to others. You can sort of pay it forward. You can, uh, you, you can appreciate what he has given you, and, and then you can uh, give to others. And so we, we've talked back and forth throughout the, the series as we've traveled through Philippians of all the things that God has given us. And now I want to talk just for a little while about how we reflect that to others. Let me give you a little bit of a, a recap. Back in chapter 2, he sort of led with this thought. He said, if there's any encouragement from being united in Christ, any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit. So, so he was telling us where he was going, that we are to make much of others because Christ has made much of us. He said, if there's any tenderness or compassion, make my joy complete. Listen to this list. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And he says, don't do anything out of selfishness or empty conceit, but in humility of mind, regard others as more important than yourself. And so he's, he's letting us know that this, this gospel is not something that's uh, 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 under the Christmas tree and we get it and we, we hoard it and we save it for ourselves. He said it's meant to be paid forward. It's, it's meant to be taken to library. You should see Alan T.'s office. There's two miles of irrigation tape that they're going to put in suitcases. And the rumor is they're also going to somehow pack a plow that can't look suspicious in anybody's luggage. And yet there's this sense of, of paying it forward. God has given to us, we give to others. That's what relational generosity is. And so, so I want to talk about that idea this morning just for a minute. Check this out. Sometimes generosity is not about money. Sometimes it's not even about time. Sometimes generosity is is relational. Sometimes it's, it's giving to someone of you. And I know this is a little abstract, but, but stay with me. Paul addresses it. Sometimes it's patience or empathy or integrity. Sometimes it's perseverance. Sometimes it's just being with somebody. Let me tell you four stories. One, we have a ministry here at Dunwoody Baptist Church called the Naomi Ministry. And they exist to receive phone calls from people who need really, really pragmatic help. The smoke detector batteries need to be changed. I need a wheelchair ramp built on my porch. There's a bat in my attic. Well, maybe that's outside of their scope. But the, the, the idea is that there's a, a, a list of men and women who said, when someone has a need like that, I will be on the list, and if I have availability, I'm, I'm on the way. And so often that need is met immediately, the Naomi ministry. We have a benevolence ministry that helps people who, who need assistance in, in utilities or rent or, or food or, or whatever it is. So often the benevolence ministry is not so much material assistance, it's counseling. It's, it's how to get on your feet, how to, how to, how to get on the, the journey that you need to be on. Last Saturday, we had a wedding at this church. And it wasn't a planned wedding. 
It was a wedding that needed to be moved up because of some family dynamics, some things that were going on in the family. It was originally planned for March. We had a group of men and women, primarily women in this church, who made sure that a bride had a full-on wedding with only three days of planning. Relational generosity. When my son died last August, Judy and I were understandably numb, wasn't expected, and yet the people in this church wrapped around us. They did things we didn't know needed to be done. They, they made plans we didn't need, uh, know needed to be planned. And they came alongside of us in our grief, putting their agendas aside to help us to celebrate with you a life that was way too short. Relational generosity, making much of others because Jesus made much of us. Quote I want to read to you. It's like the difference between putting a bowl of soup in front of somebody or adding a candle and a napkin and just sitting down with them to share the experience just to bring pleasure and value into another person's life. So, yeah, giving is money. You Thank you, you give money. Giving is time. Thank you that you volunteer to move chairs for children to watch a movie. It is resources. It's, it's time. It's skills. But it's also just this thing called community. When people ask us about Dunwoody Baptist Church, yes, there's a lot of generosity here. But at the end of the day, the biggest generosity is that of being in the moment for each other and being willing to be in the moment for those even outside the community. That's what Paul is trying to talk about this morning. And so generosity is a calling. But it's not just a calling that we are to be faithful with our money, and it's not just a calling in that we're to be faithful with our time or our skills. It's also that we are faithful in our relational generosity to each other. We make much of others because Jesus made much of us. So Paul picks up chapter 4 and verse 1. Chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 1. He says, therefore, which you know when a pastor says that, that there's, there's stuff he wants you to notice that's all around it. Scholars are a little uh, in debate about whether verse 1 here belongs in chapter 3 or chapter 4, but it's a bridge uh, across both of them, right? It's, it's, it's him saying there's stuff I wanted to make sure you got, but then there's stuff I want to make sure you get. So he was looking backward and forward, a bridge. And he says, my brothers and sisters... So there's affection. He says, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. And the word crown there is interesting because it means trophy. It's not a royal crown like a, a king or a queen would wear. It's, a, it's a, 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 a recognition of something good that happened. And he says, you're something good that happened. And when, when I get to talk about you, it's like you're my, my, my trophy. You're my crown. So stand firm in the Lord this way dear friends. And so he's, he's telling us that there is a, a calling to this. Earlier he said, walk worthy, 127. 
He said, you're citizens of the gospel. You're, you are, are, are residents who, who, who vote and who have uh, taxes and who, who uh, serve, and, and you're part of a community. You're citizens, but your citizenship is because of what God gave us, the gospel. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that's not even of yourselves. And so we're, 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 we're grateful for what he has given us, and now he says it's time to pay it forward. So what gets in the way of that, right? What, what, what stops us from being relationally generous? Well, he's dealing with a situation there, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Selfishness is kind of the opposite of relational generosity. Our, our sense that we're looking out for our own interest over the interests of others, that we make much of us because we make much of us, <laughs> It's, a, it's a, a possibility that selfishness is the opposite, and he's dealing with something in the church. And so he says, I'm going to plead that these two ladies, Yodia and Syntyche, names that have been retired from the baby book, uh, will they please just get along? Now, we have no idea what they're bickering about. We don't know if they're bickering with each other, possibility. Or we don't know if the two of them are bickering with two other people, or if there's a, 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 a grievance that they have against the church or, or the community. We don't know. All we know is that they are identified by name, by Paul, and saying, hey, there's a problem here. But we can make some observations about this interaction. He says, I plead with them, please get along, please be of the same mind in the Lord. And we know that there's three ways to solve problems, right? Either you come to my point of view, one, I come to your point of view, two, or we come to a common point of view, and that's what he's saying here, come to a common point of view in the Lord. Again, we can make some suppositions. What usually causes us to be in conflict with somebody else? One, we have kind of a me focus, my rights, my comfort, my preference. That, that's one of the things that, that, that seeds this selfishness. Another is that maybe there's been past hurt. I run into an astounding number of people who have been hurt by the church, who have been hurt by a friend, who have been hurt by a family member who have been hurt in some way. And, and it could very well be that this, this argument that these two ladies had with each other had nothing to do with each other. It had to do with one of them or both of them being hurt in the past and they're bringing that hurt into this relationship. That happens. The third possibility is that they feel like somebody's trying to take something away from them. They're, they're obviously influential. They're obviously leaders in the church because he mentions them. He said, if you guys can't solve this, and in a minute he's going to tell us the why it's important that they get along. And so he says, it's possible that, that one of them or both of them feels like somebody's trying to take their stuff. And if you break it down, that's, that's sort of the, the ingredients of selfishness, right? A me focus, a, a past hurt that I'm bringing in, or somebody's trying to take something away from me. We don't know. What we do know is what it's not. 
We know that Paul is not saying one of you has committed some error in terms of scriptural integrity or doctrine, or uh, because Paul was very quick to deal with those kinds of things and deal with them very specifically. Uh, matter of fact, if, if you look at any of the other of the four letters that he, he wrote to churches, or five, uh, the church at Rome, the church at Galatia, the church at Colossae, the church at Ephesus, all of those except for this one, he's fussing at them for something, and in some cases it's a doctrinal error. If that's what it was, he would have said it. If it was a moral issue, he would have said it. If somebody's sleeping with somebody they're not supposed to sleep with, or somebody's stealing, or somebody's lying, he always says that. He says it very directly. He says it very clearly. So we kind of think it's not doctrinal. We kind of think that it's not moral, but we think it's something significant. It's something that really bothered them to the point that as leaders in the church, their argument had spilled over into uh, uh, sort of the elephant in the room. We've got to deal with this. And so he says, can't you come to a place in the Lord? And then interestingly enough, he says, and if you can't, he says something really curious in the next verse. He says, you, I ask you, my true companion, help him out. Help him out. Who is you? He doesn't address the letter to anybody. He's, he says that the, the overseers, the bishops, that's who he says the letters to. I kind of guess, my uneducated guess, that maybe it's the pastor. Maybe it's a deacon. Maybe it's one of those overseers. Maybe it's somebody who had spiritual uh, respect in the church. And he says, hey, can you help these two? Now, don't just run past that, because that would be the case for many of you. you you're, whether you're 8 or 88, you, you, you're in a circle, and there are conflicts that you become aware of in that circle of friends that, that you can make a difference. You have the, the, the spiritual uh, respect to where if you step in, you say, isn't there a way for us to solve this? So basically, Paul is challenging someone to step in as mediator. Now, remember, we're, we're talking about relational generosity. We're talking about making much of others because Jesus had made much of us. And he's saying there's something going on where you're not making much of others. And we still get to the why. Why is it so important that they solve this? Why did he take up valuable space in the Bible to mention these two ladies' names? What is going on here? Let's keep on going. He says, here's what I challenged you to do before. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Because if you can get this right, you will shine like stars. And if you were here when we dealt with that passage of Scripture, we, we pointed out that the night sky is not really defined by the points of light. It's defined by the overwhelming darkness, the blackness of it, and that the points of light uh, make you aware of how dark it really is. And, and, and back then, Paul was saying, hey, in this culture, this dark culture, this, this place that's not friendly to the gospel, 
You guys are shining like stars. Jesus said, hey, don't put your light under a bushel basket. Don't, don't hide your light. Let, let everybody see it. And so there's something about this solving their problems that is not only about inward, it's also about outward. And we see that unfold pretty much in the next verse. But get this part. As a church, our practices reflect the generosity that God has given us. Part of Project Main Street, the, the construction project that some of you remember and some of you don't, is that we wondered what people driving by thought of us. 20,000 cars a day drive by this church, either on Mount Vernon or Ashford Dunwoody. And we wondered what, when they look over at us, what do they think we are? What do they think we're about? And are they positive or are they negative? Well, here's what we realize, that pretty much everything we do gets known, right? There's people that have lamented over the fact that you can't do anything in secret anymore. Somebody's got a, a phone recording pretty much everything you're doing. Social media is going to uh, call you out. There's going to be a gotcha reporter somewhere, some whistleblower. You, you, you can't do anything anymore in a vacuum. And our church, whatever it is that we are known for, becomes known. And so if we're known for relational generosity, if we're known for selfishness, if we're known for protecting our own interests, if, if we're not known for our missions, if we're not known for our, our mission teams, if we're not known for our children, student, adult, Bible study, worship, if we're not known for things that point to God... We're going to be known for something. Everybody's famous for some reason. And so Paul is trying to say, listen, if you'll turn your attention outward, and this is the way he said it. And by the way, do we have any grammar proficient people here at all? Teachers, you kind of know your way around the English language? Yeah, I didn't think so. All of the uh, verbs in this next section are imperatives. So they're not suggestions. They're not why don't you. They're commands. So when he says rejoice, it's a, he uses his outside voice. Why are you bickering with each other? Rejoice in the Lord always. Slow learners, again, I say rejoice. He says, you got so much to be thankful for. We got worship, we got God, we got grace, we've got forgiveness, we've got the Holy Spirit, we get to sing, we get to gather. Rejoice. How important is whatever it is that you're bickering about? Now, I don't want to minimize it because whatever it was, it was hurtful for them. It, it, was, it, it was something that was deep, something that they felt but Paul is trying to say, let's make much of others. Let's, let's try to put ourselves in a place where we think of them. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And then here is one of the keys to the whole passage. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The word gentleness is another one of those words that people really can't figure out exactly what was meant there. It can mean gentleness, 
It can mean forbearance. I like the translation that says, be known as reasonable. Let your reasonableness be known to all. And to all is, again, it's the shining like stars. It's not your be known to all who are inside these walls. It's all. It's the ones that drive by. It's the ones that already don't like us. It's the ones that already do like us. It's the ones that have no idea why something like that has taken up so much valuable real estate. It, it's be evident to all. Let, let your testimony be the, 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 the searchlight that, that just lights up the path. Let, let that be what happens. Let your gentleness, your reasonableness let the community know that you're aware that you have faults, that you're trying your best to solve the problems that are internal, that the ladies are getting along, the men are getting along, the, 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 the plan and purpose of God is advanced, that we're trying to make much of others because God has made much of us. That there's this, let your gentleness be known to all. Uh, we're, I have a new app that where prayer ministry has helped us to understand that we can pray for our whole neighborhood with praying for our neighbors by name. Because this app identifies the houses and who lives there, and it's a little creepy, but it allows us to pray in such a way that, that, that we don't feel like we're just praying over the house. Oh, God bless whoever's in there. So that when Judy and I walk in our neighborhood, we know how we're praying so he's saying, let it be known, let it be inside turned outside. Let your gentleness, your reasonableness be known. And then from that point on in the passage, he says, and here are the things that they ought to see. He says, the Lord is near. He's, he's close by. His presence is among you. He's coming back one day. The Lord is near. So... And here, another command, don't be anxious about anything. <laughs> okay, now that's a high bar. We all carry around a lot of anxiety. We worry about stuff, right? We, we, we have things that we're trying to solve, things that we think about when we uh, go to bed at night, things that we think about when we get ready to get up in the morning. We, 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 we have things that, that bother us anxiety. And he says, don't be anxious about those things. Because God is near. God is in control. The Lord is near. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Well, that's an interesting thing. He says, prayer and petition. And it's very, very cool because he says, sometimes you're going to pray with just you. Sometimes you will get before the Lord and you're going to confess your sins. You're going to realize that he doesn't need to be reminded of your sins. He already knows them. He's speaking forgiveness over you. Prayer is that personal deep devotion. And then petition is when you start praying for others. He says, when you pray, the Lord is near. When you pray for others, the Lord is near. Make much of others because he has made much of you. He hears your prayers. He answers your prayers, maybe not always in the way that you'd like, but he 
always hears your prayers. And then when you petition, when you ask on behalf of others, you're making much of others. Relational generosity. So then he says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, we've got to hang on to that phrase because he does something interesting with wordplay in chapter uh, 4, verse 7, and then a, and a verse in just a minute. He says, the peace of God will guard you. Now, all you biblical scholars, you know this already, but, but just a, a life hack for the rest of you. If you're ever on Jeopardy, and the question or the answer is, Paul was here when he wrote his letters. Jail is a good guess. <laughs> Always a good guess because he did his best work in prison. And so when he says, and the peace of God will guard you, it's like he was saying, well, like that guy over there is guarding me. He didn't have to wonder what a guard looked like because there was one always close by. And so he says, just like they're guarding me, they're making sure I do what I'm supposed to do. The peace of God will guard your heart against anxiety, will help you learn how to rejoice, will convince you that your prayers are heard, will convince you that your petitions are heard. He will guard you even like this ugly Roman is guarding me. And then he says, and there's some more things that you need to think about. He says the word finally, which as you know and I know, when a preacher says it, it means absolutely nothing. A synonym in conclusion, you're going to be here a while. So he says, summarizing some things here, and he gives a list that doesn't need any real illustration. He says... Whatever is pure, noble, right, true, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. And then another imperative, another command, it's the only verb in the verse, think on these things. Let your mind dwell on these things. Just live in that. In John 15, Jesus used the word abide. Abide in me. Let my word abide in you. There's this sense of, of staying there, remaining there, letting your thought life just circle around that reality. Be positive. And it was like he looked a couple of thousand years ahead and he said, God only knows that our world is negative enough. The news and the uh, videos that are online and the headlines and the sound bites and the clickbait, negative. If it bleeds, it leads. He says, can you be known? Can you be with your reasonableness evident to all? Can you be seen as stars who shine in that darkness? Can you be one who dwells on things that are true, right, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, excellent? Can you be uh, known as, as people who give others a break? Can you be known not for your negative but for your positive? Can you... Let your gentleness be known. And now he closes it up. He says, whatever you've seen or known, put it into practice. And here's the, the word play. And the God of peace will be with you. 
So he said, the peace of God will guard you and the God of peace will be with you. That's worth writing down for something, tweet it, or I don't call it that anymore, exit. Do you, do you exit? Is that a verb now? The peace of God is with you, guarding you. The God of peace is guarding you. The peace of God is with you. And there's this idea that, that, that I've, I've prayed for countless people, a very, very simple prayer of God, let them sleep tonight. When they close their eyes, let the pain and the, and the solutions that won't come, let all of that dissolve into peace just for tonight. Let them sleep. And if they actually do get sleep, they'll come to me and they'll say, okay, what was that about? I'm praying that the God of peace will be with you, that he'll guard you, that, that you will sense his presence. And at the end of the day, that's what he's asking these two women to do. Can there be some relational generosity? Ephesians 4.32 says it this way. Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Make much of others because he made much of you. Well, we'll think about this. The, the three ingredients to relational generosity, uh, kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness. One person summed it up uh, pretty well. He said, you want four things to think about? One, give not to get. When you give to someone else, give with the thought that you're, you're, you're trying to increase their pleasure, their value. It's not with the thought of what am I going to get out of this. Give not to get, but just to give. Second thing he said is rejoice in someone else's success. Rejoice in someone else exceeding where you are. I had the the incredible pleasure of meeting again the man who baptized me after 30 years. Uh, I was preaching at a church in Texas, and uh, he was, happened to be nearby, and he, uh, through some correspondence, he came to hear me preach. Well, well, he had baptized me 30 years before then uh, because I rode a bus to church, right? I was one of those reprobate kids that needed Sunday school. And, and, and he baptized me. We moved away a year later. And I, I said, I just wanted to thank you. You don't know who I am. You don't have any reason to know who I am. But you baptized me. You believed in me. And God has given me opportunity to, to speak to lots of people and to have thousands of students or so through my classes. And, and it's all because you had the vision to send this bus. And his incredibly affirming response to me was, well, it's good to know that one of the bus kids turned out okay. <laughs> okay, I'll take that for what it is. We, we wish for someone else's success. Relational generosity. We give not to get. We, we wish for someone else's success. We give recognition. Attaboys. We, we acknowledge when somebody else has done something important, when somebody else has achieved something. 
You know, students, I, I wish I could keep up with, with a lot of the stuff that's going on in your lives because there are just so many things that nobody else sees. You're, you're nice to somebody who can't get their locker open. You don't stand for somebody else to be bullied. I wish I could give you the recognition that you deserve for just those little acts of kindness, those little things where you put yourself aside in order to make much of someone else. And the last one, forgiveness. Boy, how hard is it to let go of something that's hurt us? And yet, maybe that's at the heart of what he was saying to these two ladies. Somebody needs to forgive somebody. Give not to get. Rejoice in their success. Recognize when you can. Forgive. Would you pray with me? God, it's very possible that there's someone in this room or someone online who says, that sounds like an incredibly fun lifestyle. Maybe I want to be a part of a community like that. Maybe I want to understand what it is to make much of others, but the part I don't get is, what does it mean you've made much of me? And God, I pray that today would be the day that a person can understand, a man, a woman, a boy or a girl, that all of the sin that they can think of they've committed can be forgiven. That it can be brought to you by saying, Lord, I need you. Come into my life, forgive me of my sins. Allow me to be a part of this community where I can make much of others because now I know you made much of me. And if that is your prayer, would you please come see me after this service or, or one of the other pastors or go by the connection corner and, and, and get plugged into someone who can help or maybe even come to the Explorer class. God, we acknowledge in our worship that we've got a long way to go. But as we sing, we make much of you. As we leave, help us make much of others. For we pray in Jesus' name. I love your voice. 
chronologically you just got through the exodus and we just some of us have been reading that together and it's one of those places that the hebrew people from that point on every time they sang a song of praise they said oh yeah and god delivered us from egypt the horse and rider he threw into the sea over and over and over again what i want you to do this week practice your praise by looking back at where god delivered you and what he did how he was faithful to you and share that 
Share that with people, just like we read about here in Philippians. Be the church together. Be united. Come together. Share your stories of faith. And listen, if you're a guest with us here,